Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is the podcast that wants you to step outside, whether that's literally like going outside, looking at a tree, going on an adventure, or figuratively stepping outside your comfort zone. Today's guest is my cousin, Matt Rackers, who has recently stepped outside his comfort zone and signed up for a half marathon. Actually, he just completed it. In fact, when I talked to him, he was probably 24 hours out from completing his half marathon. And here's the thing about my cousin, Matt. He is about 6'6", does not have a, he's not a runner. He's not a runner at all. He was a lineman in football. Um, He went to college, played college football. He's a great athlete, just not necessarily a runner. So signing up for a half marathon was un- maybe uncomfortable. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but uh, definitely something outside of the norm for him. And if you're anything like me and you sign up for something outside of the norm, something you've never done before, that final goal can seem very intimidating. Uh, let me share a quick story before we get into the interview. Recently, I joined Calvin Johansson uh, on his 14ers project where he's doing 100 mountains in 100 days. Uh, Actually, the 100 tallest mountains in 100 days. And uh, if you want to check it out, that's interview number two on here. But I remember when Calvin first came up with the idea, I went through the list of mountains and I decided which ones I would be okay with joining Calvin on. And which ones that were in the, oh, heck no, file of mountains. So, Calvin's going on. He's doing his thing. I think he's on like 95 at this point. And he shoots me a text. Hey, man, Maroon Bell's on Thursday. Want to join? And I look back at my list of oh, heck no, mountains. And Maroon Bell's are right on top. (laughs) I do not want to do these mountains whatsoever i've read terrible terrifying things um it's definitely something outside of my comfort zone so when calvin shoots me that text i'm like what excuse am i going to use and then he sends me another text i'm like oh man he's serious about this and then he sends my wife a text like please let chris join me and that's when i realized There's no way around this. I got to join him for the Maroon Bells. So cut to last Thursday and I'm pulling into Aspen, Colorado. And the whole time in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, hike with him as far as you can, man. But if you don't feel comfortable, just stop where you are. (laughs) Calvin will be okay with that and wait for him until he gets down. Because, you know, the main reason I'm there is being a friend supporting his his goal and his dream. Right. So I figured, you know, I can support him by doing part of the hike and maybe just waiting out the other half if if it becomes out of my comfort zone and i'm looking at the maroon bells as i'm pulling in and i'm thinking to myself there's no freaking way anyone can climb these things how is this possible as i'm looking at them from a distance there's no discernible route up these mountains right but I decide, okay, I'm going to put my faith in Calvin and we're just going to start going. So we start walking we do the easy part of the trail. We do this really super slogging part of the trail. We're going straight up the mountain, but uh, 
you know, it's on dirt trails still, so it's nothing too scary. And we get to the part that I thought I was going to be intimidated by, the part you have to start scrambling and actually do some rock climbing moves, right? And all of a sudden, I'm just looking at the ridge in the distance, and it still seems impossible. But when I glance down and I just see the path in front of me, it's obvious. The path is obvious. It's obvious where I'm supposed to step to be safe. Um, and so I just take the first step. And then I take the next step. And about 10 steps in, I'm thinking to myself, holy crap, man, you're climbing the room bells. Not only are you climbing it, but you are going to be able to get to the top. The path is obvious right in front of you. And so we keep going and going and going. And, uh, you know, there's obstacles. You have to actually, like, rock climb one point. There's little chutes and chimneys and all these fancy rock climbing turbs. The rocks are loose, so they're falling. But it's not scaring me like I thought it was going to be. And then we get to the top. We do all that. We come back down. And as we're walking back to the car, I look back at the room bells. And that same initial thought was there. That's impossible. How is anyone supposed to hike that? I'm still thinking that, even though I just did. And I guess the lesson I took away from it is you can set these crazy goals. And maybe the, the end goal that you have in mind can seem impossible. But you got to just keep taking those steps. Because what, what you're supposed to do next most likely will be pretty obvious. Right. And I started thinking about this when I was talking to Matt, because, you know, for a lot of people, a half marathon can seem like a nearly impossible goal. Until you put in the training. Right. He says he starts at two miles. He started at two miles a couple times a week. That's not impossible. That's two miles. You can do that. And then soon you realize two miles. Not too bad. And then the next week. Four miles. Oh, man, four miles. Now that seems impossible. And you put in the time and you do four miles. It probably hurts. Going to be honest. It probably sucks a little bit. But now all of a sudden, four miles doesn't seem impossible. And eventually what you realize is when you get to race day, 12 miles or 13 miles, that's not going to be impossible anymore. Now it's something that's doable and it's like I said, it's not going to be easy, but it's something that you definitely can do. The path in front of you should be clear. The end goal might be super intimidating, but the path directly in front of you right now, the step you need to take is probably pretty obvious. So just take that step and then take the next one and just keep doing that. And eventually you'll get to the, to your goal. But enough of me talking. Um, welcome to the podcast. My baby cousin, he's not a baby anymore. He's actually always been way taller than me but he definitely is one of the greatest person people i know you meet him and right away you're just like this is a good dude i should listen to what he says <laughs> that's what i think every time i talk to him so here you go uh my inter interview with matt rackers after his first half marathon all right welcome to the podcast um today we have my Awesome, amazing cousin Matt Rackers, uh, who I was always confused uh, for by our grandma. <laughs> um, hello, hello. <laughs> and the reason I have him on today is because he's fresh off of running his first half marathon um, a couple of days ago, right, Matt? 
Uh, yesterday, actually. Oh, yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Okay. So Real fresh. <laughs> and you're out walking your dogs right now. Um, and uh, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm in a lot of pain, actually. Um, yeah, we got hip issues. I think I might have pulled a hip flexor at the last mile. So <laughs> just uh, doing what I got to do to get over that. So you you have a running body, right? Not even a little bit. <laughs> I mean, not even maybe. I'm like six foot four and two hundred and seventy five pounds. But you are meathead enough to decide to sign up for a half marathon, which is what I love. Yeah, it, uh, more of just bucket list goal. Yeah, got to get that out of the way because uh, I don't know. Feel like got to try everything once at least. Yeah, man. So I now that you've done it, are you like never again, or kind of along the lines of oh, I could totally do that whenever I want now? <laughs> so uh, so today I'm like no, I'm never gonna do that again because my hip hurts and my feet hurt and everything hurts. But uh, in my head, I would actually say that no, I mean that's probably something I'd like to do again. Um, Especially because when I got done with it, so obviously I'm not very fast. I'm not a runner. I uh, I finished my half marathon in two and a half hours. That's or not bad. Slightly over. That's not bad. Yeah. Was, I think that's what I, that my was, first one was. Yeah, that was exactly what my goal was. Is I wanted to be at two and a half hours. So it was a, kind of a really nice feeling to be able to realize, like, hey, I had a goal, I, uh, and I actually made it happen, which – Leading up to the race, um, my wife and I, who she ran it with me, um, both of us actually are suffering from, I don't know what kind of virus, but uh, so the two weeks before the race, I think we ran a grand total of like 12 miles yeah. total. So uh, yeah, leading up to it, I was not thinking that was going to be able to happen, and uh, we still both came through it pretty good times you know as a runner i would say that's a pretty good forced taper because you know when you're coming up to the weeks leading up to the race you're supposed to taper down your miles right and not run as much yeah. so your legs are fresh yeah and that's really hard to do for a lot of people because they're used to you know getting six miles in every day or whatever you know and uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so getting a virus man good uh good forced taper sure um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was totally intentional, too. <laughs> you just sort of walk around sick people, you know, picking up yeah. the Kleenexes, rubbing it on your face. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, okay, man, so bucket list item, is that is that the main factor that made you sign up? or? Um, partially bucket list item, partially just I needed a goal. Um, I know you and I have talked on, on a couple of different occasions about just, like, needing a goal fitness wise to uh to keep yourself motivated to do something because without having something as some kind of goal in the future to lead up to it it's you just kind of lead yourself aimlessly into hoping to be somewhat physically fit and that usually at least for me doesn't lead to me being anywhere near physically fit so um the whole idea of it's it's easy to skip a workout if you're not training for anything. Um, exactly. Because I know for me right now, I have an event in March, but I'm not seriously training for it yet. And it's really easy yeah. to wake up on a Sunday morning and say, hey, man, I'm just going to sleep in 
Or, yeah, I will have this extra eight cookies that my wife made. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, it was just kind of my goal, and, and it just worked out to be a uh, bucket list item at the same time. So. That's cool. How's your, your wife, Lauren, uh, is a physically fit machine. And, uh, yeah, she's a beef. <laughs> has, she, has she ever ran one before, or is this her first one? Yeah. No, so she'd run one before. I think she did the St. Louis or maybe the Kansas City. I don't remember which. Okay. Uh, but it's been at least five years because I know um, we – she did it maybe right before we met. Okay. Something like that. So I think about five, six years ago. Okay. How'd she, how'd she end up doing yesterday? Uh, she did good. She was really kind and stuck with me for the first nine miles. Oh. Um, yeah, she was nice. She uh, she kind of hung back and um, gave me some extra motivation through the first nine miles. And then at mile nine, she was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and try to get up there a little ways. So she kind of pushed on ahead. And she ended up finishing like six or eight minutes ahead of me. Like, okay. Not terribly. I, yeah. I kept with her pretty well. But, yeah, uh, yeah she uh, she did well. She was a lot better off at the end of it and today than I went. Was an am. So you can't walk, and she's up running around, probably. Pretty much, yeah. We uh, we actually, no matter how ignorant, went out with some friends and had uh, dinner and a couple of drinks last night after the race. Dude, that's and not. She was out on the dance floor, <laughs> and I am sitting in a booth crying to myself about how much my legs hurt. <laughs> that's not ignorant, though, man. You gotta. You gotta celebrate, and I always say the pizza and beer after a race is the best pizza and beer you'll ever have in your whole entire life. Oh, so true. So we did the Roots and Blues um, half, and it uh, they had barbecued pork, like pulled pork, and uh, local barbecue yeah. and beer just waiting for us at the end, and that was that was probably the greatest pulled pork sandwich I've ever had in my life. Ah, that's awesome, dude. So, side <laughs> note: so you did it in Colombia, right? Yeah. Okay, so did you go to any bands last night? We didn't, actually. Oh. Um, I, I wish we had. Avet Brothers were in town, and uh, my I'm dad's, a big fan. Yeah, my dad's favorite band was there last night. Um, Who's they're that? called St. Paul and the Broken Bones. Yeah, they're yeah. awesome, man. I've been listening to them on the radio leading up to their show, but no, we didn't, uh, we didn't go to any live bands. We just kind of went to a uh we got sushi actually it was our dinner last nice. night so yeah that's cool man uh okay so just to give you a little background your mom is a really great runner um <laughs> yeah really great i mean she's done some crazy things she's gone to the sahara desert and ran a stage race and man she's yeah she's she's awesome but uh so how did that affect you growing up seeing her run and not only run but win a whole bunch of races yeah so yeah i mean it was kind of different so we come from kind of farmland areas uh where people don't or didn't when I was growing up that I knew of, nobody really ran. Like, it, it wasn't a thing to sign up for a marathon. And uh, my mom just kind of made up her mind she wanted to do that. So uh, she signed up for a half, and, you know, I kind of watched her progress through that. And it came to the point where she was, like, getting competitive with her times. And, like, her big goal, I know she wanted to finish a marathon in under four hours. Um, 
And that was, I mean, she got into running late. She didn't actually start running until I think she was like 45. Wow. Um, but she's just built to be a runner. I mean, she's long, slender, um, and yeah, so she's, she's kind of a beast. Um, so watching her as I grew up, especially with running, it was always really motivating, not just for running, but, but for other things. My mom, I mean, you know my mom, but for those people that don't know my mom, she's a, a pretty inspiring lady. Once she sets her mind to something, she's going to make it happen one way or another. Um, so watching that was pretty cool growing up. And even, like, leading up to this race, my mom, uh, she's going to kill me for admitting this, but she's <laughs> going to turn 59 in, like, two months. Dude, don't. Th- come on, um, man. Don't throw your mom hey. under the bus. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> your mom is 38. No. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry. She, she's going to turn 39 in a couple of months. Oh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she uh, – so we, Lauren and I signed up for this race six months ago, I think, yeah. and have been kind of working toward it until then. And as soon as mom heard we signed up, she was like, oh, that's cool, you know, and she's been really encouraging. And then three months ago, she was like, oh, I want to do it with you. <laughs> Sounds great, mom, you know, like so she signed up and hasn't, she actually hasn't run a race, I think, for like three or four years Okay. Um, and hasn't really been running or training. So probably one of my favorite training stories is we, uh, we went up to Kansas City to visit her, and we were scheduled to run our 12-mile, kind of our one big run in our training set. Um, so we get up there. Mom forgot we were going to run that morning, and she got up super early and went running with some of her girlfriends and ran five miles. And then got back and was having coffee, and Lauren and I wake up, and she's like, oh, gosh, I forgot we were going to run. Well, I'll just go with you guys anyway. <laughs> so instead of running 12, she ended up running 17. And just to, to rub salt in the wound, she was smoking us the whole time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like she was turned around backwards, talking the entire time, like <laughs> having no trouble whatsoever on her 17th mile. Oh man! So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a—it's almost like a superpower once you once you can accomplish it. Like that's why I was asking you earlier if you feel like you could just go out and do it whenever now, because now I I feel like you know three months out one of your friends like hey I'm running the half marathon and then you decide man I want to do that you could probably figure out a way to you know push yourself through some of that pain and agony of training. Yeah, I think. Um... I think right now, today, I probably couldn't go run a half marathon again. But uh, going forward, I like. I know I've been hearing you and Brady talk about uh, the race that one in March out in Utah. Yeah, man. And uh, man, it, it sounds awesome. And, and if I can make it work, I'm gonna probably try to go do that also. Yes. Um, We're trying to just get a gonna... hundred people yeah. to join us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, any races like that, it is kind of nice to know, you know, and for me, it's more of, I can go run six miles now, like really no problem. Yeah. Um, it's like you leveled up. Still push. <laughs> yeah, it, is, oh, yeah. it is, but it's like you level up to a certain degree and you're like, okay, I've accessed this part of me and now I know I can do it. So I think I'll always be able to, you know, at least walk or jog six miles. You know what I mean? 
Um, yeah, I know I'll be able to if I set my mind to it. And that's kind of the nice thing about the race is um, it, it made it so that I can look at it and say, yeah, I know this looks like an impossible feat, but um, for me now it's it's no longer impossible. I know I can make it happen. It's just doing it. That's great, man. So tell me a little more about your training. What? Uh, how, how did you start off day one? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, my lovely wife wrote a training program for me. Okay. Which for the vast majority of our training time, I purposely or not purposely, I'm going to go with not purposely, pretty much ignored. Um, <laughs> cause I'm just not that brilliant of a guy, I guess. Um, but we would, uh, we would try to get basically three runs in a week, uh, two short runs and then one longer. Um, and starting off, that consisted of the short runs being two miles okay. and the long run being four. Okay. Um, and then we built up from there and, and uh, eventually, like I said, got to a 12-mile long run and four-mile short runs. So. That's awesome, man. So, yeah, just the gradual buildup is super important. And everyone, you know, looks at big goals and they seem impossible but once you break it down into those little steps it it really becomes clear um that you can do it yeah it uh it was i don't know it, it was daunting at first to, to look at that 13.1 at least for me like i know you're out running 50ks um <laughs> and for you the first time i'm sure you looked at a 50k you were like holy crap for sure. gonna be able to do that <laughs> oh my god it's uh, scary like i i i go by the code of life where you got to sign up for something that scares you a little bit. And then, um, then your training is really going to be on par. Cause you're like, yeah. Oh my God, if I train for this wrong, there's no way I'm going to be able to do it. So True. I totally, totally go by that code. So what other advice would you give to somebody, um, who wants to do a half marathon and, you know, is kind of intimidated by it and, you know, uh, maybe not a huge runner, but, but they want to, they want to bucket list that. Um, I, I'd say like, at least for me, my big thing lately and leading into the run and just other ventures in life has been just take that first step. Cause I think all too often people, like we were saying, you know, get, uh, get the view of that 13.1 or, or whatever goal they're trying to set and look at it and think, gosh, that's, that's daunting. That's huge. That's that's inconceivable. Um, to quote Princess Bride. Um, <laughs> but, but I think the the first step, that one mile run, is kind of the uh, the thing, at least for me, that uh, it really kind of sets things off and, and gets things moving in the right track. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh, and did you did you change your diet at all, or were like how was that affected? Um, it's been affected somewhat and I think it's, it hasn't been so much conscious of, let me change my diet, but more conscious of, you know, when I, when I go, I mean, I work construction, so half the days I, I end up having to eat fast food because that's what I have available. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of poor at planning my meals, so I don't <laughs> bring a lunch like I should. Yeah. Um, but whenever I go to order that, um, rather than getting the triple cheeseburger with an extra large fries or something, you know, I, I look at it and say, man, I just put all this work in over the weekend doing that long run or, or Tuesday of doing my four-miler. 
let's go ahead and just get a chicken sandwich and like I'll have unsweet tea with it or something like yeah. that. Um, it, it wasn't so much of let me change my diet so that I can accomplish this goal. It was more of let me just kind of not ruin all this work I've been putting in. That's great, man. I had that same feeling when anytime I do a long yoga session and my body just feels amazing afterwards, I just go home and I'm deciding what to eat for lunch or dinner and why would I put in, you know, junk in my body when I just treated it so well? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I always like the analogy of uh, somebody spends so much time building a race car and then they fill it with crappy fuel and um, old oil. Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> well, that's awesome, man. Uh, any any stories from, from the race day that, like, how did you feel when, when the gun was about to go off? Um, I really wasn't nervous. We, yeah. uh, I thought I would be. I thought I'd be more scared. Um, but I think I kind of built myself up to realize that I could finish. And that was, that was really my goal. I mean, I had a goal of two and a half hours. But my overall goal was to finish and, and to try to run the entire thing. Um, so when the gun went off, I was pretty confident already that I was going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and we were surrounded by friends. We were pretty lucky. It was, I mean, me, my wife, my mom. Um, we had two or three friends that my wife went to nursing school with. Um, and just a bunch of people that we knew and loved. And, like, so I was pretty comfortable when the gun went off. Yeah. Uh, but through the race, I mean, there were a couple moments where I was just like, crap, I don't know, you know, should I stop and walk or, or do some of that? I mean, I've heard somebody talk about the gremlins. Um, I, I don't know what that really refers to, but I guess that would be my gremlins of should I stop and walk, should I slow down. I, I can stop and stretch for two minutes yep. and still be on time. Um, but instead, yeah, I just kind of kept going. There was one uh, one old man that, sadly enough to admit, he passed me. He's like 65 or something. Uh, that always happens. A- no matter how fast you're going, that will always happen. Oh, yeah, and then the stroller moms. Okay, (laughs) I don't understand how these women do this. They're incredible. Like, oh, man, like mile five, this lady pushing a stroller just cruises past me talking to her girlfriend, and I'm like, I kind of hate you right now, lady. (laughs) So I know you, man. You're competitive Um, because, you you know, you did college football, and and you've just been – a sports guy your whole life, so you're competitive. So, so when the stroller mom passes you, how do you how do you handle that? How do your competitive <laughs> brain handle that? Every bone in my body wanted to sprint back up past her and make sure she couldn't pass me again. Um, but that was a nice thing about training is I knew if I did that because uh, I did that initially. I uh, really, you know, oh yeah, dude, I. I I was terrible. When we started training, I had no idea how to set a pace um, because I, you know, doing football and uh, other competitive sports like that, you're always taught your entire life to go all out, push as hard as you can for as long as you can. Well, that doesn't seem to work for uh, distance running at all. No. Can I tell you a story, Uh, a quick story real quick? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I went to some of my kids' cross-country uh, event when I was in Virginia, and I taught eighth graders, right? 
and yeah. there's this park by our house, and it's a giant hill. I mean, Virginia is really hilly. It's the reason I have calves, essentially, um, <laughs> yeah. coming from Iowa going to Virginia. It's just you. There was only one place I could run in town that was flat, and this was not it. <laughs> Um, and so our kiddos go out there, man, and they're, you know, 13, 14 year old kids. Uh, most of them aren't, you know, most kids haven't ran long distances, you know? Yeah. And I think this is the first cross country event of the year and I see them lined up and they're going to get some other schools. Uh, so my, my kids are lined up and they see me and they're like, giving me like a thumbs up, you know? I'm like, yeah, man, Mm -hmm. go get them. And this kid, uh. I just remember him. He just starts, the gun goes off, man. He's at a dead sprint down this hill, right? And he's going as fast as he can. He looks kind of like a puppy dog running in the wind, you know? Like, just looking like the happiest guy in the world, right? And so I see him go down the hill. And then we had to kind of wait. You can't see him for a while. And they turn this corner, and they're coming back up the hill, right? And this is a long hill. Every kid in that race, including my boy who was you know, in first place at the beginning, because he was fast, man. He was a sprinter, you know. Uh, I saw him play soccer. He was great, like super fast, super athletic. Not a cross-country runner, though. And as soon as he comes up the hill, you see him just walking. Looks like he's about to throw up, just drenched in sweat, you know, just limping his way up the hill. And then you look behind him, Every single eighth grader is doing the same exact thing. <laughs> so they learned that lesson the hard way, man, because they had like two more laps after that. But uh, oh, yeah, geez. I think no one, unless until you realize what a pace is and how you can maintain a pace and how you can, you know, maintain a forever pace in quotation marks where you're, you're yeah. using, um, <clears throat> you know, you're not in an anaerobic stage, but you're in an aerobic stage where you can just breathe and run that pace forever then if you if you if you've never been in it before it's really something you have to kind of work to earn you know so yeah. i'm just i'm just it, imagining it, you your first couple of runs of two miles out with your wife just like trying to out sprint her you know and you're tall oh, yeah. man it, you should be able to out sprint her i'm assuming but <laughs> i mean under 100 yard well under 200 yards i yeah. can uh, i can definitely out sprint her once we get past 200 yards, man, she smokes me because I just can't maintain that, and she can. She's a, she's a pretty athletic lady. You're athletic too, though, man. I saw you once uh, when we were in Asheville last year. We were just messing around trying to do pistol squats where you balance on one leg and you squat yeah. all the way down with your other leg extended in front of you. If you don't know what pistol squat is, look it up. It's crazy. It's one of the hardest things you yeah, possibly do. And you're standing on like a rock or a bench or something, and you just do a complete pistol squat with both legs. And I'm like, this guy weighs like at least like 250, and he's like 6'5". How is he doing a pistol squat? (laughs) So don't sell yourself short. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we're athletic in different ways. I'll put it that way, I guess. All right, so one uh, one last thing I want to talk about real quick. Uh, I'll just brag about our family a little bit. Our family's full of, of crazy people and athletes. Crazy athletes, yeah. let's just say. Yeah. So, I don't. It's inspired me growing up. How, how has that affected you? Oh man, um, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous when you look at our cousins. I mean, um, I know uh, Lauren, especially whenever she married into the family, had the best way of like looking at it because she was like, "You guys." She said, you're not all, like, 
freak athletes. But she said, you guys all just like seem to do ridiculous stuff. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, it's been pretty awesome to be able to grow up around people that do that kind of stuff, or at least like, you know, we we're spread out all over the country, but to reconnect and, and to look at those people as, as role models. Cause I'm the youngest cousin out of our whole family. Yeah, you're the baby. Um, I am. And, and I like to think the favorite, but let's not go there. Well, you know, um, we all know it's true though. I know. Uh, no, it's, uh, so, I mean, I was growing up looking at, at, at you as, you know, you going to co- play college football at, at, uh, our other cousin, Susan, who's doing ridiculous feats of human engineering. Um, and then, you know, obviously Lauren and Ben, everybody just seems to be. We got to so mention every, all the cousins, Brianne and Katie. <laughs> Brianne, who was also a volleyball player. My sister, who was Who's now a like a volleyball player. Yeah, and now is like the enemy of all deer. <laughs> yeah, now she's a great white hunter. She hunts more than I do, no matter how disappointing that is for me. <laughs> hey. It seems like in our family, and I think this, I don't know if this came from grandma or from the aunts, I don't know, but it seems like anybody in our family who is able to uh, just kind of set their mind to something is really able to come through in a big way and, and do whatever they want. That's inspiring, man. We've, we've, been, we've been lucky and fortunate because, you know, I'll be around some friends who are like, man, how are you so close to your family? I barely you know, see my cousins, especially, you know, they might be close to mom or dad, but, and brothers and sisters, but cousins, they're like, man, I see them once every like three years, but yeah, we're, (laughs) we're lucky. And it goes to show, you know, who you, who you're surrounded with and who you choose to surround yourself with, uh, plays a big role in your life. Yeah, man, it's huge. I, uh, so I think I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts before I had this, uh, big moment I don't know what it was but the other night I was laying in bed and wrote a whole paper on uh just kind of what I'm trying to do more in my life not so much with athletics but more just like um who you surround yourself with and who you look to um but I think it is interesting to look at uh who it is you you focus your your energy on as far as I think it's all too often easy for me to look around and say well I mean, at least looking at uh, athleticism, I can look around and say, well, you know, that guy's way fatter than I am. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> or, um, you know, I can run farther than that person, so I'm doing pretty good. Rather than looking around and trying to focus on people like like our family and look at them and say, man, like, aren't they inspiring? Let me, let me look at them as a goal. Because I think the more you focus on somebody, whether it's, looking at them and comparing and saying you're better than them, um, I, I think you end up headed in that direction, no matter if you're looking at the people that you feel better than or the people that um, inspire you. You're going to head in that direction either time. Well, it's like, I mean, you're a football player, so you, you remember the games where you're playing a team that you should handle pretty easily and you just go easy and you play down to their level and then you play the mm-hmm. like badasses who you know are gonna destroy you and all of a sudden whether you win or lose your team is playing up up like two or three levels above of what you normally play you just stepped up your game and it's it's yeah. you're talking about just just the people you observe and the people you're watching um you know, rather than competing against, but that's true, man. That's why it's, 
it's inspiring to go online and see all these people doing these crazy feats, you know? Um, yeah. You can't, you can't let it, let it, you know, hurt, harm you though. You can't let be like, Oh man, I'll never reach that level. So I'm not even going to try. Um, it's the difference True. between being jealous and being inspired by and being inspired exactly. by is, is powerful, but so is being jealous. You know, if you're being jealous of somebody that could be very powerful. It's just powerful in a negative sense. So yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta have those people you're, you're looking up to and striving to become, but use it through the lens of inspiration and not the lens of jealousy, I guess. Definitely. Um, That's difficult. Um, a lot of times on, on both sides of the spectrum, it's difficult to, to not be jealous of people. It's difficult for me to not be jealous of you seeing three bucks this morning on the <laughs> run. Like, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And true, true. And it's, you know, you, you, especially if you're putting stuff on social media, you're trying to put it out yeah. there in a way of like, hey, man, this is, this is fun. This is meant to be inspirational. Um, and you, you hope no one's taking it in the other, in the other sense, you know? Um, yeah. But, but yeah, seeing three bucks with a sunrise over Denver, pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. But, uh, oh, man. that's awesome, man. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you today and, uh, we'll, we'll have you back on at some po- point. Cause I want to talk to you about, you know, you, you're essentially running your own business right now. And that is something I'm inspired by. I was going to say jealous by, but that's it sometimes maybe, but, uh, that's something I'm definitely inspired by. It seems like such a crazy intense thing, um, for you to be doing. So I would love to have you back on and talk about that at some point. Anytime, man. I appreciate the call. And once you come out in March to our race in Monument Valley, which yeah. you probably should, hint, hint, uh, we'll <laughs> yeah. do a, we're, I'm planning on doing a big podcast after that race with, uh, with Brady, um, after his first half marathon and, uh, <laughs> Travis Steffen, man, I don't know. I haven't interviewed him on here yet, but, uh, he's, he signed <laughs> up for the 50 miler, so it's going to be a good time. What a stud. Oh, he's not going to be able to walk uh, afterwards. He might crawl. His, he'll make it, dude. He'll make it for sure. He's too, he has too much of a meathead mentality to give up, but yeah. uh, he might be crawling through that finish line. So, Oh, man. Yeah, those guys, both of them are just, they're awesome guys. So that'll be cool, man. I, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see it. All right, man. Well, thanks for talking to me today, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Take it easy, Chris. All right, see you. All right, that was my interview with Matt Rackers. Um, If you want more of these interviews, you can check out the previous episodes in which I talked to, uh, I believe Matt mentioned Brady Manriquez a few times as an inspiration. I talked to him in episode one. Calvin Johansson, who I mentioned in the intro, I talked to him in episode two. Um, Aaron Johnson, if you want to hear an interview with a guy who kind of stepped outside of his comfort zone job-wise and pursues his passion of doing art. That's episode three. Episode four is just me, super exhausted, super oxygen-deprived, rambling on about hiking up Buffalo Mountain and seeing a pretty sunset or sunrise. (laughs) So, yeah, check them out. I'm also on iTunes now, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, Like I said, I'm trying to do this once a week for a whole year be consistent and persistent and really just kind of see what comes from it. So uh, that's all for today. Hope you go out, have an adventure this week. Have a good one.